0: section fifty nine of the inheritance by susan edmonstone Ferrier. this librivox recording is in the public domain volume two chapter twenty five with an old bachelor how things miscarry what shall i do go hang myself or marry horace there was a duty which gertrude was particularly anxious to discharge and that was the debt she had incurred to mr adam ramsay having procured a bill for the money she therefore ordered her carriage one day and having contrived to elude the curiosity of lady betty and the vigilance of miss pratt she set out alone in hopes of making her peace at any rate of relieving her mind from the weight of pecuniary obligation a thaw had begun but just begun consequently both earth and atmosphere were in that raw chill dubious state which combines all the discomforts of foul and frosty weather and even in the narrow precincts of uncle adam's parterre both were displayed in perfection the snow though soft lay deep betwixt his house and the little gate which separated him from the road no attempt had been made to clear it away or open a passage and an avalanche which had fallen from the roof of the house lay undisturbed upon the steps and effectually blocked up the door altogether it had a desolate uninhabited look different from the neatly scraped paths and sanded steps belonging to the houses on either side and gertrude began to fear she knew not what from this desolate exterior meanwhile the footman having with some difficulty contrived to wade up to the door knocked loud and long in all the energy of insolence and ill-humour but no answer was returned again and again the summons was repeated in a manner enough to have raised even the drowsy porter in macbeth but with no better success at length the servant turned away in despair there is nobody within my lady but at that moment his lady's eye was caught by a view of the back of uncle adam's wig as its cue hung in expressive silence over a chair in the parlour it retained its posture however so immovably that it seemed as though it would have required a touch of galvanism to ascertain whether it were suspended from a dead or a living skull alarmed at the immobility of this appendage of uncle adam's brain lady rossville hastily called to have the carriage door opened and without exactly knowing what she would or could do she stepped out and made the best of her way through the snow towards the house scarcely had she touched the door when to her surprise it flew open as if impelled by the invisible hands of the white cat herself no invisible hands were there however for there stood uncle adam in propria personae with his pigtail and his cold blue radish looking fingers come in come in cried he in no very inviting tone as gertrude stood for a moment transfixed with astonishment at this sudden resuscitation i am sure this is no weather to be stannin at open doors and violently shutting it he led the way to his little parlor a dead fire a dirty hearth and the remains of our wretched breakfast were the only traces of civilization to be described i was afraid something was the matter said gertrude as she entered my servant knocked repeatedly but could get no answer but i am happy to find it was a false alarm and that i have the pleasure of seeing you well my dear uncle mr ramsay hemmed you may see something's the matter or the things wadna be standin there till this time o day there's naebody in the hoose but mesel, and i was nae gone to play the flunkey to the idle puppies o yours pointing to the countess dashing lackey as he strutted before the window, and I never wish to see ony body at my door that cannot chap at it themselves. Then, muttering between his teeth, "Fools should nay hey chapin sticks," he seemed to recover a little at having thus vented his venom in ignominious epithets applied to his niece and her spruce serving-man. Lady Rossville was much at a loss how to proceed at no time did she perfectly comprehend the breadth of uncle adam's dialect but on the present occasion he was more than usually unintelligible and as she could neither divine what was meant by fools nor chap-and-sticks she prudently passed them over and proceeded to business i am come to repay my debt to you said she in her sweetest manner that is the pecuniary part of it but your generous trust and confidence in me i never can repay my dear uncle will you accept of my warmest my most grateful thanks for your kindness and she put the money enclosed in a pocket-book of her own embroidering into his hands and affectionately pressed them as she did so and what has that to do wit demanded mr ramsay eyeing the souvenir with no gracious aspect that is a pocket-book i have worked on purpose for you and i hope you will keep it for my sake weel i may do say though it's nonsense to gee me the like of a foolish things and taking out the bill he carefully wrapped the pocket-book in a piece of paper and opening an old bureau that stood in the corner of the room deposited it in a little drawer then cautiously locking it returned to his seat next to no borrowin' the best thing's ready payin and i'm glad to see you hay that muckle discretion and his features gradually relaxed into a more benign expression as he slowly took out his spectacles to peruse the bill when suddenly resuming their usual stormy cant what's this cried he whar's the interest for my money in great confusion at this unthought-of demand gertrude apologized by saying she had been so little accustomed to money transactions that she had entirely forgot that part of the claim i think it's time you was learnin something of the Vala o' money knew that ye've learnt who to spend and to borrow say readily. I dinna care as buttle about it for my ain part, but I like to see folk can what they're a and gie a what body their due. And taking up an old blackened stump of a penny, began to cast up his account on the back of the bill, then showing it to Lady Rossville. There's what I was entitled to fray you but i tell you i dinna want it i only want to mak you sensible o what you're aboot gertrude acknowledged the justice of his admonition and having thanked him for it she was again taken into favour but it was of short duration hey nay, ye got your feet wot wet that's snaw, said he in a complacent tone then glancing at her little silk slippers all his wrath revived Bonny like feet to be sure to be waddin' through the snaw i thaw ye had mer sense than to have come oot wi such daft like things in sud weather they're liker dancin shool pumps than sensible walkin shoes and uncle adam walked up and down in great discomposure his own huge leathern buckets creaking at every step i did not know all i had to encounter else i certainly should have provided better for it said gertrude smiling but i am not at all subject to cold so don't be alarmed on that account and when your servant comes in she will dry my shoes at your kitchen fire you'll sit awhile before you see on a servant of mine i hay nay servant and the kitchen fire's black oot no servant and no fire exclaimed lady Rossville, horror struck at such an avowal good heavens what a situation how what has occasioned this just the occasion is that that impudent thief that's been wi me these twa year thought proper to own a marriage with a scoundrel o a dragoon that she ne'er saw till within this month and what do you think o her assurance she had the impudence to tell me last night that she but to leave my service immediately unless i would by her husband's discharge tack him into my service and settle an annuity on her for life i dare say there ne'er was the like of it that was certainly very audacious said gertrude and she ought at least to have remained until you had procured another servant her remain do you think i would Left myself at the discretion of such a slut as that. I just took her by the shoothers and gave her the outside the door for her answer. Settle an annuity upon her. I've settled her with a vengeance. Tack a dragoon into my service. I would just as soon tack the hangman into my service. What a picture of lonely old age! Thought Gertrude, left at the mercy of a mercenary unprincipled servant destitute even of the necessaries of life how dismal even the unfortunate peculiarity of his temper which kept him aloof from all fellowship with others she viewed as indeed it was an additional misfortune and she felt anxious to alleviate the wretchedness of his state by every means in her power but to have insinuated to uncle adam that his comfort at all depended either upon a servant or a fire would have been an insult he would have resented accordingly you must come to rossville with me my dear uncle said the countess taking his hand with her sweetest look and accent of entreaty me gang to rossville exclaimed mr ramsay with a sudden start of horror i'll do nay such thing what would tack me to rossville to pay me a visit, to give me the pleasure of seeing you in my own house—you know—you must visit me some time, and this is so good an opportunity that indeed I will not excuse you. I suppose you think I cannot contrive to live four and twenty hours by myself, but you're much mistaken if you think I depend for my comfort either on man or woman. At any rate there's a tyler and his wife down by there very discreet folk that wad be ready to do ony thing i wanted so you need nay fash your heed aboot me i have no doubt you could have abundance of service said lady rosville still persisting in her benevolent intentions to say nothing of your own domestics at bloom park my aunts too i'm sure if they knew of your situation my situation interrupted mr ramsay sharply what's my situation a great situation to be sure to hay got rid of, a good for nothin impudent thief that wanted to pick my pocket i'm only thankful i'm quit o her and that's what you call my situation what else could you say if i was lying with my throat cut i beg your pardon but you must make allowance for my blunders you know my tongue is not so scotch as my heart and that is another reason why you must come to Rossville to give me some lessons in my dear native accents i must now learn to speak scotch to my poor people and gertrude hung coaxingly round him till even uncle adam's flinty nature began to melt what wad ye make o me at your bra castle among all your fine folk i'm no use to your grandees i'm no gone to begin to learn fashionable manners new. so dinna ask me i'm no gone to mock a fool o myself at this time o day i assure you we have no fine people at rossville my dear uncle not one and indeed i do not like what are called fine people any more than you do we are a very plain quiet old-fashioned family quite clockwork in our ways and ours and besides if you don't like them or us you shall take your own way in everything you shall breakfast dine sup if you please in your own apartment and be quite at home now don't pray don't refuse me and be made a song or to all the hoosh high and low i suppose it'll be through the tune next that i nay make a shift for a day without that impudent thief Car stairs? no no i'm no gone to be dragooned oot my ain hoose by her gertrude was certainly not a persevering character and despairing of success she had risen to depart when her heart smote her at the thoughts of abandoning the desolate old man to his cheerless solitary state at his advanced age and in such inclement weather to be left in a house alone the idea was frightful again she returned to the charge and at length she prevailed for she held out an inducement uncle adam was not proof against she told him of the picture he would see at rossville of her he had so truly loved and the right string was touched a silken thread might have led uncle adam over half the globe when lizzie Lundy was paramount his little preparations were soon made the tailor's wife was summoned and invested with the charge of the mansion and mr ramsay covered with shame and confusion at his own folly and being thus led by a child sneaked into the carriage with his head on his breast and his ears hanging down to his shoulders lady rossville tried to animate him but he still retained his humbled discomfited air till the carriage stopped at the castle gate when the old man burst forth i've a good mind just to gang back the way i can old idiot that i am to be rinnin after picters like a bairn but it was now too late the movements of the great are commonly conducted with a celerity that baffles all calculation and uncle adam was scarcely aware that he had reached his destination ere he found himself in the hall surrounded by a train of servants all that was left for him therefore was to scowl upon them as he passed along but they were too well-bred to testify either mirth or surprise at sight of such a phenomenon and in spite of himself he was ushered to the saloon with all the customary demonstrations of respect it was vacant and lady Rossville, having safely deposited him by the side of a blazing fire and vainly tried to persuade him to partake with her of some refreshment left him for a little to solace himself with the newspapers of the day while she went to announce his arrival to her mother end of section fifty nine